You're listening to the Master of Photography Podcast. Welcome to the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You are joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I am Brent Bergherm, your host for this episode, and joining me at the roundtable is Nick Page and Jeff Harmon. Good to have you guys here. Hello. Good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. You were here last week, Nick, and I think Jeff called you, was it Lord Page, was it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it was, Are but it wasn't right. Are we going to continue that again? <laughs> <laughs> I hope it dies with you this episode. Let's okay. let it die. Oh, no. It's a thing. It's a thing. Because oh, it's can, very much not you, a thing. You better go out and get <laughs> lordpage.com right now. Oh, there you go. Someone's going to snap it up now. And it'll just be a picture of me, like the cover art will be a picture of me, arms crossed with a really funny hat. And I think That's it'll right. be great. Perfect. Yeah. The, the China hat, that, uh, the one that you got out there. Yeah. Dye your, dye your beard a different color too. It probably needs to be a helm of some kind. Not oh, a that's hat, true. A helm. Yeah. On a throne. Yeah. With, with horns. <laughs> anyway. Some furs. Some furs. You know, Viking style furs. I think, I think it'll be a good look. Perfect. Anyway, we're here to talk about uh, the news of the day, and that is Canon has released their EOS R system and what, what, what it means for photographers. So they've clearly stated, though, one thing I want to start off with, with the beginning, they've clearly stated in all their videos and other materials, this is targeted towards what they call the middle ground. So not the beginners and not like the high-end pros, that kind of a thing but the middle ground in photography. And for me, I would assume that's their largest customer base. So it probably makes sense for them to do that. Plus, let's face it, this is their first uh, full frame mirrorless. So it's probably a good place to start for them. And so, um, you know, maybe a lot of those people are looking in the middle ground. They're looking to upgrade to full frame. uh, But this camera would provide a good path for that since it does accept the crop sensor lenses. So let's get into our initial thoughts. And one thing I want to start out with, guys, is in general, I like it, uh, but I probably should give everyone a full disclosure. I am possibly a little bit of a Canon fanboy. So (laughs) I've been shooting Canon for quite a while. I switched from Nikon back in 2003 and I've been shooting Canon ever since. And so just take this, you know, take these reactions and these uh, comments with that in, in mind. But there are some things for me, I've really been heavily tempted. And with my recent trip to Hong Kong, I've been so tempted actually to switch or to consider switching over to Fuji just for some weight savings and the like. But, you know, that's not the biggest point for me. So it's just like I'm on that fence kind of a thing. And this camera probably is going to do some good for keeping me in the Canon uh, ecosphere. Uh, Nick, what are your just initial general thoughts? Well, they definitely did some things right, for sure. Like, I love that they put a fully articulating screen. Yes. I think that that is exciting because it's um, a, a decent camera with a fully articulating screen, which, you know, I thought, oh, man, that, that looks like a vlogging camera. Um, they The adapters that they've released with the camera seem to be um, some of the better adapters out there. For They've right. released three different adapters. Uh, to adapt the EF lenses to the camera bodies. Uh, one has drop the ability to have drop-in filters, which yeah, is awesome. Yeah, that is genius. That, yes. That's something that nobody has thought about doing before, and it makes 
complete sense. If you're somebody with the big bulbous uh, front element, you know, the yeah. 11 to 24 or mm-hmm. something, now you can have like ND filters and circular polarizers and all your filter needs will be met with that little adapter that you're going to have to have anyway. So that was that was a, a big bonus for them. Uh, I like the control uh, ring option too. That yeah. Is- yeah, they, and the other adapter uh, has a control ring where you can, you know, assign like ISO to that to that ring. Although I feel like that's a little bit of a of a strange place to have a control ring because who's going to hold their lens there? You know, yeah. they're going to hold it from the the meat of the lens. But right. But and when yeah, you're on the EFR lenses or whatever they call them, sorry, the RF lenses, excuse me you have them at the front of the lens right. so it is a better place but you know as far as for your adapter it probably makes sense it's okay yeah maybe um, we can look I, over it yeah and the the lenses that they released i think are um intriguing they're also pretty big and heavy and expensive looking and expensive <laughs> like, yes. expensive yeah like we oh. should mention that the one of the lenses that they released was the 28 to 70 f2 which is yes. a really exciting exciting lens because it's a, a zoom lens that has that has a constant aperture of f2 but it's also going to be three thousand dollars so yeah it's not going to exactly be in the realm of the of the casual shooter i don't think right Jeff, how about you? All right. So <laughs> I, I, I've been trying to think all morning about what kind of analogy that I could assign to this, um, because I think both Nikon and Canon have missed an opportunity here. Agreed. A big, big miss of an opportunity. And it, I, it made me think of like the, the old Taurus in the hair race kind of uh, situation where that the hare is so much faster and so confident he's going to just crush the turtle in the race that he doesn't take it seriously. And, yeah. uh, you know, in it, the, the thing that's different is in the the story, the fairy tale or whatever you call it, the, the hare rushes out and gets this massive lead and, and then just like takes a break on the side. And, and as soon as he sees the turtle, he jumps up again and, and runs. But that's not even how... Nikon and Canon approached this like five years ago. Sony started to attack this mirrorless thing and Mm. man, they had challenges at first. This, it was not easy. It was a tough entry into the market. It did not compare well with DSLR packages. Like it just, it wasn't very compelling initially, lots and lots of problems. And they have successfully for the last five years, chipped away at it and chipped away at it. And they have overcome and passed a lot of that functionality. And, Nikon and Canon have zero excuses in my mind to not be up to where Sony is. That that is the mark they needed to meet, and they didn't come close. Neither one of these systems comes close. And and fine, Canon says we went mid. Why? Why, <laughs> why did you go middle market? That is not what people are looking for here. And I, I, it, the excuse of well, we need to dip our toes in. We got to go into this slowly. Do why you had five years of watching Sony to build these systems out, and this is what we get. I mean, yeah. really? Uh, yeah. No. Let, <laughs> and you know, I think the reason that they went mid is because they just don't have the capability to compete with the upper level. You know, they. So if we're talking about some of the cons, which we haven't really laid out all of the specs for these, which right. we should probably do just so so yeah. anybody that doesn't follow canonrumors.com right. uh, knows what, what we're even talking about. But uh, there's definitely some cons and some d- definitely some things that just don't 
um, d- don't match up very well against what Sony already has out. But yeah, uh, why don't you give us some specs, Brad? Yes, let's do that. And then we'll go into some more specific details about what these specs are. So to start off with, we're looking at 30.3 megapixel CMOS full frame with dual pixel AF on the sensor. And if that sounds familiar, it's because that is pretty much the 5D Mark IV yeah, sensor. Yeah, it's, it's the same sensor. Yep. Yeah, yep. They, they've added more of the dual pixel AF, but otherwise, right. correct. It's definitely it's basically the same sensor. Mm-hmm. Uh, a new RF mount, and that's the same physical size as the EF mount, but it's only 20 millimeter flange distance versus the 44 on the, uh, on the EF, on the regular EOS EF mount. So they're able to get the the rear elements of the lens closer to that sensor. And we'll talk about some benefits for that in a moment. It's compatible, certainly, with the new RF lenses, some of which we've already talked about. But it's also compatible with the EF, the EFS, and the TSE lenses through one of those three adapters that we were also uh, briefly mentioning. Uh, the standard recording options, you know, for RAW files, they're there. Uh, but they also, uh, and JPEG files, I should say, too. Basically, if you're a Canon shooter, it would just... You know, you'd look at it and say, yeah, I, I expect that is what what we have already. But they have a new C raw format, which is a compressed full resolution raw format. Uh, and then they're changing to the CR3 raw format from Canon, where the current models are CR2s. Uh, the viewfinder, the electronic viewfinder is 3.69 megapixel OLED viewfinder. So it looks to be a really nice viewfinder. And they're touting their eye point of 23 millimeters, which is supposed to give you a little extra space between your face and the camera. And that helps those of us like me who wear glasses and then mm-hmm. also people who uh, want to use their new tech called their drag and uh, the tap and drag, what are they calling it, AF, where you can actually, mm-hmm. as you have the camera up to your face, you can use your thumb to select the AF point depending on where you're touching on that screen, which is, I think that's going to be really cool. Yeah. yeah, Sony has that. Okay. Good. That's why you guys. That's why you guys are here for not. sure. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. I remember the Nikon not having it, and yep. I was. I saw this, and I was like, "Yes, that's pretty sweet." Uh, the five frames per second in continuous AF mode is the uh, the frame rate that you will, we can expect out of this camera. Eight frames per second in single shot mode. On the Canon's website, there are a few other asterisks there saying yeah. you mm-hmm. also don't have. The lens corrections enabled, you don't have this or that enabled as well. So if you turn off all those little extra functionalities that takes processing power, you're going to get up to eight frames per second. Now, I thought I'd saw that it got down as low as three frames per second on continuous and it was five if it was the initial like you you used the uh, initial focus mode and then it could go five frames a second and not refocus yeah, there was some kind of situation where it would drop down to three frames right. per second. I'm not sure exactly what that situation was. Yeah. Regardless, any of these, this is not fast enough. This is not competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it also has a completely silent. So basically, you can use a digital shutter, and so you can have a completely silent shutter action, which if that's you know what you need, then that's available for you. That's nice. And when you do that, it flashes actually a white frame around the image, whether you're in the uh, EVF or the, the live view mode on the screen, so you can know when it actually, when the shutter went off. So that's kind of nice. Uh, the manual focus has focus peaking and some unique focus guides, and also you can program it to zoom automatically in the viewfinder or on the screen when you are adjusting the focus. So you can do a 5x zoom or a 10x zoom. It has 12 electronic contacts on the lens, 
And with uh, EF lenses and the extender, if you also wanted to throw in a 2X extender in there, I should say the adapter and a 2X extender, you could shoot, let's say, a 100-400, which when you're out at 400 millimeters, you're at an f5.6 on that lens. You throw a 2X extender on there, you're suddenly at f11. And you can actually still have autofocus still active on this mm -hmm. camera. And that's kind of nice if you have that combo set up. I remember I was testing the 7D Mark II and the AF was rather pitiful, uh, but it still worked until you got about roughly 250 millimeters on that lens with that extender. And then the AF just totally went out. Uh, it says it's sensitive down to negative 6 EV for focusing. That's an exposure value for focusing. And... Um, there's a little bit of uh, info I have on how practical that is for, you know, the exact lighting scenario that you might be. Uh, we've already mentioned the very angle or I, as I call it, the flippy screen, which is really cool. I, I appreciate that coming into a, a camera like this. I really wish my 5D Mark IV had it. It uses the same battery as the 5D Mark IV, the 7D Mark II and the 80D, which I would say is understandable given who this uh, camera is targeted at. It has a dot matrix LCD panel on the top of it. So that changes and shows you the different, you know, settings that you're doing. And it's just depending on whatever it is that your buttons you're hitting, etc. With the R lenses, if you wanted, you could have the distance scale visible in the viewfinder. So you can see I'm focused at three feet. I'm focused at nine feet, whatever the case is. I imagine in some cases that might be useful. It has, it does have face and eye detection AF. I know Sony has this and you love that in your Sony neck. Yep. And uh, one of the go ahead. And one of the things to note about the uh, eye autofocus is that it only works in single shot focus mode. Yeah. So it, it can't track an eye. It can't. Right. You can't use it in continuous focus, but right. you can do it in single shot, which is still a whole lot better than not having it at all. Yeah. It Nor is, does it work in the video. Yeah. Yeah, no, it does not work in video. It's yeah. uh, Sony just resorts to face detection, which is typically good enough for video. Sure. Yep. And the early reviews of it too, the hands-on that people had today, as we're recording this the day before it gets uh, released out to the world, our podcast, uh, the reviews were, eh, it's okay. It's Sony's autofocus is better. They just mm -hmm. liked Sony's a lot better for the autofocus. I think I think we're already developing a mood in here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we we have Brent in one corner who's excited, and then we have. <laughs> and then we well, have Jeff who's just like I'm disgruntled pleased. and mad. <laughs> and, and then we have Nick that's like smirking because he owns Sony. Yeah. <laughs> you, you made the right choice. Yes. Yeah. I feel like I dodged a bullet. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't characterize myself if I were to splice hairs. Excited is maybe a little more because, you know, I still have my 5D4. It's a fine camera. Uh, but anyway, let's not scroll down in that rabbit hole. We could we could stay there forever. <laughs> one notable right, thing yeah, that I want the rest of the specs. Yeah. One notable thing that is missing in the specs, which I'll probably talk a little more about later, is that it's no GPS. I know that's not a big deal for most people, but I personally like it. The AF is covering 88% of the width of the frame and 100% of the height of the frame. And it has uh, 565 AF points. Did I record that right? Um, anyway, uh, I, I, thought it was, I, I think it's 5,650. Yeah, 5, I, I think I have a, I, yeah, I think I have a, a yeah. typo in my notes here. And then 5, the reason for that is sorry. because of the dual pixel AF, where yep. essentially every pixel that's being used is counts as a focus point, which yeah. it's not like you can go through and select 5,000 focus no. points. That would take a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
But it would be nice to be able to, you know, at least dial the size of your focus point down to a very, very small, small fine point, which I don't think you really have the ability to do. Uh, but that's why there's. it sounds like it has so many focus points is because yeah. of the dual pixel AF. And they do yes. allow you to uh, vary the size of this of the AF field. But right. yeah, getting down to a single focus point, that would seemed to be a little much but it was grouped it was down to like 150 160 something like i can't remember that i saw the number on that but it was it got down there pretty good to, did it okay yeah yeah well, it, when you're using the automated selectors there's 143 fields or or areas of af points i guess is what they call it it has a new multifunction bar for variable setting controls. It uh, allows tap and swipe controls so depending on what you have it programmed to you can, you know, with a flick of a of a thumb, you could switch your ISO or whatever the case is. It does have seven fewer buttons than the 5D Mark IV, if someone's counting anyway. Uh, it does have that touch and drag AF that we talked about, where you can touch your thumb on the on the uh, screen and just select a region for where you want the AF to be activated while you're looking through the viewfinder. Comes with a Digic 8 processor. Uh, they say it's supposed to help uh, control a little bit more noise reduction and the like, since it's essentially the same sensor as the 5D Mark IV. Some of the video capabilities, it does 4K at 29.97 frames, full HD at almost 60 frames, and then regular HD at up to 120 frames. And then when you're shooting, though, with that 4K, if you wanted to do the 10-bit, it can be recorded if you have an external recorder hooked up to your HDMI. Otherwise, only the 8-bit color is possible on your SD card. And one huge thing to note, I think, is that the 4K shooting is cropped down to a 1.7x uh, crop ratio. So yeah. you're not getting mm -hmm. that full frame, if you want to call it that, when you're shooting 4K. Now, does the Sony do that? Does it crop it as well? No, you get the full field of view, yeah. which is, that's a big deal. Like that, for, yeah. you know, we had, I had kind of talked about how the, uh, the fully articulating screen could be just absolutely amazing if the 4k was good, uh, for vloggers because vloggers right. need that articulating screen. But the one thing that you cannot do when you're vlogging is record your face at a 1.7 times crop no. <laughs> because you know it turns that 16 millimeter lens into something a whole lot longer and it's yeah. it, it sucks yeah one that point, would not be cool yeah the 1.7 times crop it that is uh for some things it's kind of a deal breaker it sucks but it's awesome that they changed the kodak so it's it's like a compromise. They almost got it right. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yes. It was close. <laughs> yep, they tried, yep. kind of. The, you... the rabbit almost touched the turtle before, uh. you know. <laughs> and then before it tripped and fell and sprained its face. Uh. <laughs> I was picturing splashing his face in a mud puddle, but sprained his face is, sounds a little more painful. It is. So the uh, it does have what they call HDR movie recording. This is available in your HD uh, sizes. And what that basically does is it'll capture a multiple exposure, multiple exposure bracketing, and it's all done in camera. So your highlights are preserved. Your shadows are opened up a little bit. It does have built-in time-lapse intervalometer. Uh, so if you want that, and it does all that in camera. And you can then certainly grab your frame grabs, uh, your 4K frame grabs, and save them as JPEG. That gets you a roughly 8.3 megapixel JPEG image. And then... 
those distortion corrections that are built in. That's one of the things about the the RF lenses. It does have the information built in about distortions and whatever else. And those are communicated directly to the camera. Uh, and then it's already in the camera if you're using your EF lenses. And so when you're recording video, those are automatically corrected uh, if you want to turn that system on. It has what they're calling movie digital IS. So this is basically like image stabilization uh, that's supposed to be like your, you know, in-body image stabilization, but it's a digital aspect of it, not, you know, physically moving the sensor to do that. Yeah, it's it's like in-body stabilization, only not as good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. It's like it's... what GoPro is doing with their systems and all those other action cams are doing with those systems. Yeah. It's an improvement over not having it, but definitely not what you want if you want it to be like spot yeah. on. Mm-hmm. And then if they could go, because I think it's Fuji, their H1, they have the IBIS plus you can have some uh, OS lenses. And when you have both of them operating together, that can be really sweet. Uh, in uh, in the movie recording for the ISO, you can go down to 12,000, up to 12,800 in 4K and then up to 25.6 in full HD. And the expected release price is about $2,300 US. And if you get it with a 24 to 105 millimeter lens, it's going to be about $3,400 US. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's an $1,100 kit lens. <laughs> but it's a it's a twenty it's a good kit lens. That's going to be a good that is going to be a good kit lens. Yeah, I mean it's a kit lens. It's an L lens as a kit lens, so can't really call it a kit lens if it has an L on it. It's illegal to say that. Okay, so <laughs> that was a whole lot of specs, but was, a, a yeah. lot of a lot of that was stuff that like is almost on par with some of the other cameras out there. Uh, things that I think that they did excellent at was first of all, I think that it's great that you have a 5d Mark IV sensor at a thousand dollars less. That That's yeah, pretty cool. Like you you're bet. getting an excellent image quality for less price. Uh, also, I think that they nailed the adapters, the adapters, uh, the idea behind the adapters is excellent. I think that the autofocus system is probably going to be a lot better by the sounds of it than what the Nikon Z line is. So I'm optimistic about the autofocus system, uh, but there's also some big womp womps because the lack of in-body stabilization, I don't know, like that is one of the the biggest step forwards that a lot of other cameras have taken, the the Sonys and the uh the Panasonics mm-hmm. and the Olympuses and the Nikons, they all have it. And now Canon doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And, the, yeah. and it's just like, man, they, they were making such a great camera and they left out a really important thing. And I know that a lot of people are just going to say, well, you know, my lenses, they have image stabilization. But the cool thing is you can use both at the same time and get right. double the effect. And it has a massive a massive impact on lenses that don't have image stabilization because then every lens that you own is image stabilized. And like, for example, my 16 to 35 on my Sony, I can shoot a sharp shot at a fifth of a second. Mm -hmm. And I dare somebody to do that with this new Canon because I don't think it's going to happen because technically, uh, typically uh, the digital image stabilization that happens at, first of all, it only happens in movies and it's typically not nearly as good because it's actually warping the pixels and you're getting some weird artifacts from that. That just annoys me to no end that they didn't 
Yeah, produce. I, I feel the same way about like the lack of backside illuminated sensor too. Like that yeah. that is a a mainstay in mirrorless sensors. They all have BSI CMOS sensors, and Canon put the same CMOS no BSI from the 5D Mark IV into this camera, and it's it's just. I mean, how uh, old is the 5D Mark IV at this point? It's three. It's, it's about three two years? years old. It was released. It was released in 2016, just before I went to. Uh, Photokina actually, right. so I was kind of bummed that I didn't so have early it. Early 2016. Yeah. And so, you know, their newest, most uh, impressive technology has a two and a half year old sensor in it. Yeah. And, well, the R, the R, you, have you heard what the R is supposed to stand for? No. Rut-row? Revolution. <laughs> it's supposed oh. to stand for revolution. Yes. What? Their, their tag is be the revolution. Yeah, oh, so geez. so we, we're putting out a camera that has a two-year-old sensor that was kind of actually lackluster compared to others in the industry, even when it was initially released, and no image stabilization. I mean, this is not a revolutionary camera. Why? Yeah. <laughs> maybe, but, you maybe know, our Nikon t- just a week ago, like, completely revolutionized, like, mirrorless technology, and now Canon's revolutionizing it, and they're both <laughs> doing it with technology that isn't quite as good as what's already out. It's crazy, but... You know, I think we all could have kind of predicted that the first generation of anyone's uh, new technology is just not going to be quite as good as someone that has been working on it for years and years and years, like Panasonic, Olympus, and Sony. They've all been dialing it in for a while, and it's going to take a while for Canon and Nikon to fully catch up, I think. Okay, I'd give them that pass if we didn't have Sony, who has been doing this for five years. But they, they had free... Research and development. I mean, not yeah. true research and development, but they can watch this. And th- did they not pay people to go do that? Like, you go check. I want you to know everything about Sony's cameras. They have to have that. And then they're going to come out with like, I, I don't give them that pass. I'm, I'm seeing that a lot out there on Facebook and Twitter today as people are doing like, oh, this is the first one. The next one's going to be, you know, they're, they're just getting started. They're just warming up and it's going to, okay, that'd be great if it was four years ago, but it's not, it's today. And Sony mm-hmm. has this massive lead. I don't give them a pass on this. There is no excuse to come out with this kind of a camera today. Not to I mention... Just, yeah, and I agree with you. Not to mention that Canon typically takes about four to five years to even refresh a camera. Yeah. So, you know, in another five years, you might get in-body stabilization. Then officially you're like a decade behind. Yeah, four years ago, <laughs> this would have been, I, I had a totally different mindset with this kind of a release if it was four years yeah. ago. But it's not four years ago, it's today. And it's just not good enough. We talked about it's it's they okay, they they shot for the mid tier. That's the definition of my photography. That's <laughs> I <laughs> I mediocre. Am a, I'm a hobbyist photographer. <laughs> I uh I am not interested in full frame stuff because it's too much money. I it's it's way too expensive. And the uh the image quality difference is going to be negligible enough compared to my skill level that I it's, it doesn't make a bit of sense for me to go and invest that kind of money in in a camera like that. So if that's their target, if they're they're targeting me, they missed entirely. I'm not interested in this camera. It is way too much money still, even for a mid-level kind of hobbyist photographer like me. And I when I get a camera, I have to have one that is going to be multi-purpose i'm doing this as a hobby mm-hmm. i want to be able to shoot everything i want to shoot and that includes sports and action wildlife and landscape and family portraits i i want to do all of it i, I just love doing everything 
this camera is not an everything camera. It's too no. slow. The frame rates are way too slow so that I can't even consider doing sports. The focus won't work either with it. Um, I wouldn't, it's way too much money to even consider it for like a, a blogging camera. I want to do some of that with, with the things I'm involved with, with the podcast, with doing tutorials and training videos. I want to get into that. This camera is not for me for that. It's too much money. Uh, there, it, it does not fit this. If that was our target, they completely missed for me. Yeah, I, I don't feel like this is what you would consider a well-rounded camera just because of the really slow frames per second. Uh, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. I think the focusing system is going to be decent just because, you know, first of all, they're, they're coming out saying things like the world's fastest autofocus system. So I'm assuming it's going to be at least as good as what's out there. But I guess given the way that people have been marketing lately, you don't really have to base things on facts. <laughs> you could just kind of say stuff like revolutionizing mirrorless technology yeah. with three-year-old technology. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so to, to to counteract a little bit of what Jeff was saying there, I think I think you are you have extremely valid points. If you're looking for it to be an all-around camera, for someone with my use case, this camera actually looks pretty tempting to me because, as Nick stated, it's a thousand dollars less on the initial release compared to when the 5D4 was released. And of course, I think you would expect that anyway, because you know what's the price of a 5D4 today? It's still not the $3,400 that it was when it was initially released. But the fact that it's a the smaller, lighter body and what they're saying, one of the things when we get down to our idea of what are the benefits of this new mount design, Canon people are saying that they can probably make some lenses lighter and smaller. In particular, that 24 to 105 is smaller than their current L model. And for someone like myself that wants to do more hiking and travel and the like, that really speaks to me. And mm -hmm. I think for me, this camera actually, I'm not saying it's, I'm going to go out and get on the, the list for, you know, being the first one to sign up for pre-orders, but as it's not something that I'm completely writing off for myself either. It's actually, I'm like, Hmm, this could be pretty interesting. I want to see more lenses though, because that's been one of Canon's best assets right. is their yeah. lens selection. And I'm really pleased to see the four lenses that they've released. The 50 F1 two is nothing to me because it's too big and I'm not going to ever use that for my shooting, but some portrait shooters are probably going to have a great time with it. Uh, but that 24 105 looks really good. And if they could come out with something wider, whether it's a wide zoom, uh, that's still smaller form factor than what we have, say the 16 to 35s, that range, uh, that would be mm -hmm. something that would, you know, all of a sudden I'm looking at it and saying, you know what? We do have a little bit of a size, you know, advantage there. We still have the awesome quality that would probably keep me in the Canon camp and I would be a very happy customer. So with this particular model, I think you're right. And I think that second and third generations are obviously they better improve. Would we like to see the, the better stuff now? I can certainly understand that. And I think Nikon <laughs> did a good thing in releasing two models, but even still, it was like, what well, the Z7 is more like this model and the Z6 is probably, you know, the little brother, so to speak. So it's not mm -hmm. like they upped the game. You know, it seems like Canon and Nikon are still head and head, you know, right there, almost even. Yeah, I think that uh, both the Canon and the Nikon releases are going to the the quality, you know, that the way it's going to impact people is going to greatly 
be determined by how good those adapters work with yep. the native glass. Yeah. Sure. Because right now, like if you look at either system, the the main defense for everybody that's in those systems, the main thing that they're de- the, their main defense is that uh, they can keep all their gla- lenses and then just like incorporate a new mirrorless body. Uh, because right. otherwise you're still going to be selling all your lenses and then you're going to be restricted to the four lenses that are out or you could look at another brand. So how good these adapters work is going to be really, really important because if they if they work only as good as like the Metabones did for Sony or the you know Sigma MC11 worked, uh, it, it's not going to bode well because you, you're not only are you having out of date you know, autofocus systems that are not quite as good as what's out there, but then you're just, it's just not going to bode well. It's not going to yeah. go well. What do you well, think? Well, that's one thing since Canon is the engineer for everything. I have pretty good faith that it, they're all going to work pretty well. Canon themselves says there's virtually no performance lag or no performance, virtually no performance issues or whatever they call it. And you know, that leaves an out to say, you know, on, on something here, there is going to be a difference. In fact, one of the things they do have a lens, that's what they call a power zoom lens. And that function doesn't work with these adapters. So, you know, if you have something that's a special odd case, it's, you might find it a little annoying to use, but let's get back into this. We're going to, we need to uh, share more reactions and more thoughts. We will do so after we thank our sponsors for this episode. If you're anything like me and you're looking for a professional printing service to turn your photos into canvas prints, you want someone who's reliable, who's using the highest quality canvas, and who is affordable. Well, good news, Royal Canvas is all three of those things. They print in 11 colors, use premium canvas that doesn't crack when it's stretched, and they ship super fast, usually within two or three days of ordering. Plus, if you ever need to contact them, you'll be talking to a real person who can help you out with accurate information and resolve any problems quickly. With Royal Canvas, you're getting a premium quality canvas, archival ink, and an expert stretch. So go ahead and give it a try. Go to royalcanvas.com master and you'll get 40% off of a single canvas print and an additional 10% off of poster or metal prints. Or if you'd like a sample, Feel free to email service at royalcanvas.com and they'll send you a free canvas color swatch. That's royalcanvas.com slash master for 40% off of a single canvas print and an additional 10% off of poster or metal prints. Okay, we're back with uh, Nick and Jeff and we're continuing with our thoughts on some of these adapters and some of these other things for Canon uh, system. And um, what do you think uh nick about we we talked briefly about that idea of that adapter that allows a drop in filters that's something uh that none of the other manufacturers have do you think that's something you know nikon might look at that and maybe they'll come out with something for their system because that is pretty pretty sweet if you had a wide angle lens that you couldn't put a filter on all of a sudden you can use a polarizer let's say you're shooting a waterfall and you could use a polarizer to make those greens nice and vibrant with your 11 millimeter lens that'd be pretty sweet yeah, absolutely. Anybody that's shooting with a lens that requires, you know, that has that big bulbous front element and requires those giant filters. Uh, not only are these drop-in filters going to be easier to keep clean and dust-free, uh, but it, I think it's just a, a genius to carry that little adapter with a piece of glass in it because yeah. that's a much smaller, lighter setup anyways. And it's only going to be a matter of time before Metabones or one of the other companies comes yeah, out yeah. with their own version of it sure. because... 
I'm kind of surprised nobody's thought of this before. Uh, that is definitely one of the positives that come out of all of this. Yeah, I, it must show a lot of confidence to like that's that has potential to affect the autofocus right there. You you put that yeah. filter in there, sure, and that adapter has a there's potential that that could impact it, and they must be really confident that they've got uh, the adapter is going to work so well that they can have a filter be in there and not be worried that it's going to affect the autofocus performance. So that, that's a encouraging sign. I know I've been pretty negative so far, but there are some things I like about this camera. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, Go for let's it, speak positives for a little bit. All right. Yeah. So, so positives. Here's I, I have a list of 10 pros that I, I like about the camera. Uh, the arm mount. It looks good. Now, I wouldn't say it's a, it has quite as much promise or is going to be as big a game changer over EF than what Nikon's going to get with the Z. That Z mount for E for Nikon is going to boost Nikon's ability to gather light just way more than than this change does for EF to R. The the uh, actual uh, throat diameter there is is no different. That's the same as EF. So uh, the the R mount looks good. I think they the flange distance it's decent. It seems like. Uh, they had to make some compromises there to make it so that they could get the crop sensor lenses to work with the camera. And uh, and they decided to do that so that you can adapt any, really any uh, Canon lens to the camera. So so that's, it's good. I, I think it's positive. That's a, that's a pro. Our mount is, is good. I don't think it's quite as good as what Z, uh, Nikon did with the Z, but it's good. Um, fully articulating screen. That's cool. I, it's like what I fully expect from everybody. I don't understand why people are putting out cameras today that don't have that capability. So that that's a big pro. One that could mean a lot of vloggers are going to be interested in this camera. Get 4K, get Canon lenses, and get um, get an articulating screen. That That's a good thing. Then the negative part is the, the cost. It's just, I'm not sure. And so I, I'll get to that in a cons list. Uh, really good viewfinder so that the specs there, it seems like it's perhaps a smidgen better, at least spec wise than the Nikon one. Both of them seem to be uh, better than Sony, which I'm sure Sony will remedy shortly <laughs> in their, in their next camera release. I'm, I'm guessing they're going to have uh, a very competitive viewfinder there, but it, it's just really good. So good that the initial reviewers from what I've seen today as, as people had hands on, was they didn't even realize they were looking at a viewfinder. It was it was so good that it it compares extremely well to an optical viewfinder, but then has of course all the advantages of of an electronic viewfinder. So that's a, a real serious positive. That's good. Mm -hmm. The the three adapters, love those. Those are very cool. I'm actually super excited about that control ring um, because yep. ISO yeah. is is the one that is not easy to change on the cameras I'm using it today. You can kind of assign buttons so that the you can and I'm used to having like shutter speed on my index finger on the right hand with the the little wheel on the top of the Canon cameras, and then aperture I change on the rear with the wheel uh, that's there on the rear side of the camera. But ISO is uh, I gotta take like the camera. I've almost got it so I can figure out how to hit the button. Uh, on the top so I can click ISO and change it, but not quite. I miss it still a lot. And so I usually have to like take the camera away from my eye, hit ISO, change the one I'm going to be and go back. And, and boy, if I had the ring to do that, I think I, I think that would be a big deal to me. I, I think I'd really like that to sign that ring to change the ISO would be uh, very cool. So that's a pro to me. I like that. 
Um, the new FV modes. We haven't talked about this yet. They call it like flex. I think it's called flex mode or something like that. And uh, what it, it allows you to do, and I, I think it's similar to um, some of the Micro Four Thirds cameras have have kind of worked this way for a while. So I think they sort of copied it from there. But um, it's it's like you can decide which of all three you want the camera to control or to control all three yourself. So it's like you don't have to change your mode dial. You can go full manual by setting all three aperture, shutter, and ISO. Or you can say, hey, camera, I want you to do, to do two of them or one of them. Or you, know, you can mix and match however you like. And that's, that's kind of cool. I like that feature. Um, lots of AF. So the 5,655 points and covering the bulk of the sensor. So, so that's good. Lots of AF points. Um, I wish my cameras had more F AF points. It, it, it sounds like I should have enough. I, I forget how many there are on the, on my 70 Mark II, but it's not <laughs> enough. I, I need to go, uh, particularly vertical, like up and down. I mm -hmm. need more, more coverage there and, and I don't have it. So that's cool that they have those. Um, initial lens offering of native glass was way better than the Nikon Z, uh, cause there's like almost nothing and, but they're super expensive. So that's kind of a con too, but I really, that 28 to 70 F2, that's a cool lens. That's a very nice lens. I, I'd love to give that a try. I think for portrait, uh, that could be a very compelling, um, lens mm -hmm. and system for portrait to do this. Um, I'm looking forward to the fantastic weather ceiling. I mean, just like Nikon, we, we talked about that last week. Nikon has an advantage over Sony there, and so does Canon. They're going to have an advantage with really good weather ceiling. And uh, I've, I've even seen Pete, there were some, some of the ambassadors had them like over the summer and said they had them out in pouring rain. And it was great, just like you'd expect for, for a lot of professional Canon gear. Uh, the rear LCD touchscreen, I love that focus points moving while you have your eye to the viewfinder. That uh, what do they call it drag focus. That it was yeah, something like that. That's uh, that's cool. That's uh, sure it's a, a me too feature now because Sony does that, but at least Canon did it. That's that's good. They sh they should have done a lot more like that. Like Sony set the bar. That means we have to have it. So um, so that's good. And then the the last really good pro that we haven't talked about yet was it's a good sized buffer. So forty seven image buffer. Mm. Uh, which you'd expect a lot. The Canon cameras have always had a pretty decent buffer and, and that's a, a real pro. That's a lot of images and not worried at all about running into a problem with that buffer size. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of understandable because anytime you have uh, a frames per second that is that slow, <laughs> <laughs> right. you know, the buffer has a, more of a chance to keep to keep up. Because right. there's not very many images getting pumped in per second. Right. You no, know, yeah. chunk, 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 chunk. <laughs> right. But even even one at a time, like uh, I, I do, even with my, my 7D, I run into challenges where I just going, doing portraits, like I'm not holding down, mashing down the shutter and doing a, a ton of them. I occasionally I, I push the shutter and it's like, nope, hold on. The buffer's filled up. You got to wait for a second. And I have families, you know, posing and trying to smile. And, and I'm like, eh, one second. Oh, okay, there we go. Now we can take the picture. And, right. And I, I, it sounds like this wouldn't struggle with that. So that's good. I know that one of the, well, the most common question that I'm going to be asked for the next several weeks is how this compares to my Sony camera. So right now I have a Sony a7R3 and a Sony a7 III. And I think the Sony a7 III is the one that uh, compares directly to this. And like if, we, if we're just kind of looking at the specs, I think that the Canon autofocus is probably going to be good, but I'm skeptical that it's going to be 
the fastest and the best. Right. Um, but we we just won't know. I I have a hard time picturing that beating an A nine for one. Uh, I think that. If we look at the adapters, I'm I'm much more optimistic about the Canon adapters just because it's native. I think that, that those adapters are probably going to work better than like the, you know, Canon EF to Sony mount stuff from Metabones. I think that Canon adapters will probably work better. So if you're going to be adapting all of your lenses, um, I think that that's going to be a pro for Canon. Um the the new lenses that Canon are coming coming out with, I think, are exciting. Like you think, um, the 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 fact that they have the control ring, the the only lens that I I think the only lens in the Sony lineup that has that control ring is the twelve thousand uh, dollar four hundred f two point eight. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you want to talk about expensive lenses, there you go. But I think that uh, the new lenses that are coming from Canon are exciting. Uh, they're big and they're expensive, but they are exciting. And it's, it's, uh, proving that they're, they're planning on making a lot of pro glass for it. And I think that that's a good thing, but there's a lot that the Sony's do better, like in, in body stabilization. That's a huge deal. Um, we have two card slots. We haven't even talked about that, but yeah, that's on my con list that we need to get to. Yeah. As much as we ripped on Nikon last week for not having a single card slot, if we didn't bring it up this yeah, week, yeah. we would just we would be murdered. So yeah, one card slot. I I think that because they're labeling this as the as the uh, middle of the road line, that maybe that gives them a tiny bit of a pass, you know, because we don't know if the the pro one is going to have two two card slots. But. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think we've kind of reached the point where we expect every camera that comes out to be, you know, to to learn from the mistakes of the cameras yeah. of the past. And and you expect more features, not less. And it's, it feels so weird when you have a two thousand dollar a seven three with two card slots and then you have a, a camera that comes out that is more expensive that doesn't have doesn't have to and it doesn't have a lot of the features of the cheaper camera it just feels really weird it doesn't make sense to me just like we talked about with nikon it's exactly the same argument to me like just it it wouldn't be that hard to have the second one there i don't buy it that it really made a huge difference on the space like how the size of the camera and even if it does that's not why people want these cameras we are not looking for the tiniest little camera you can make that's not the the primary feature we're looking for we're not even talking about the relative size of these things because we don't really care. It's not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. But two card slots is a big deal to a lot of people. So why even have it be a discussion point? Why even go there when it's not that hard to have the second one? I just don't understand why they made decisions like this. It doesn't make any sense to me. There's probably a legitimate air engineering kind of thing because both Nikon and Canon did it. So there's got to be something there to it that I don't understand. I'd But... Boy, I don't, I don't get why they didn't do it. Yeah, even if, sorry, even if they were gonna put that in a in the uh, grip because they have a vertical grip for this, and I've seen a lot of listeners comment on our Facebook group. You know, if they were to just put that in the vertical grip, that would be acceptable because you know, if you if that were important to you, then you could add that feature. But then we could get after them for just nickel and diming us and saying just stick it in the body anyway. But yeah, that's it's it's I think for a lot of people's, you know, going back to what they say, it's target the middle ground. Most of those folks aren't having that much of a concern. But definitely if you're a wedding shooter, if you're a sports shooter, 
it's it's a no-brainer. That's something that you just most people in that area are definitely wanting to have that second card. And it's mm-hmm. mm, it's it's too bad that they they didn't do that for us. I think I it, I also think they made a mistake in staying with SD. Like, okay, one slot, I don't get it. It shouldn't have done on it. Make it an XQD slot like Nikon did. I there I think that is the play. That's the future of it. We're, it's going to become more and more prevalent over time. Yeah, it's fair, relatively new at this point. Uh, we need more makers. We need more competitive space for it. So the the prices of the cards come down. All of that sure. kind of stuff. Sure. But and there is the SD slot is or the SD format is expanding. It is getting faster. There are people that are innovating a little bit there. We had Sony last week. We we kind of barely referenced their brand new rugged line of SD cards where they've made some improvements just design wise. They they could still get it to function correctly in all the SD slots, but make them tougher. So that's great. But I still think XQD is is where they should have gone. There there's more ceiling in the XQD format than the SD format. Mm-hmm. And that, I just, I don't know why. So not only a single card slot, they still, they stuck with SD. And I think that was a mistake. Another thing that we haven't really mentioned is the fact that this camera is actually going to be lighter than an a seven three. It's lighter, even though it's bigger. And I think a part of that is because it doesn't have all the mechanisms from the in-body stabilization. It's lacking a lot of things on the on the internal side of things. But it is actually going to be lighter than an a seven three, which is interesting. It is interesting, mm. but there is no photographer that's out there like, I want to buy the lightest yep. camera there is. That's the only thing I care about is that it's lightest. <laughs> it, that is not happening. When right. it comes to, it's probably just grams of a difference when it comes to yeah. that. Yeah. I don't see that being that big of a deal, even as one of my stated interests to say, you know, I would like a lighter camera. That's still a little bit down the line. It's, it's totally not my number. That's not even my number three item. It, <laughs> right. It's something that's tempting to me, but I also want to look at the whole system too. I got to know what those lenses are going to come in at. And I got to know you know, the whole idea. And while it's promising, there's still a few questions as to exactly what their lens roadmap is, how that's going to play out uh, going forward. Uh, It'd be nice to see some of that info too. And really it's the lenses that are the the weight and size factor Mm -hmm. over the body. We don't, that's why it doesn't matter as much. Make that body slightly bigger and put in the other card slot because sure. We need smaller, lighter lenses, which is going to help. The RF mount is going to help. Yeah, um, That's going to make smaller lenses. Same with the <laughs> Z, Z mount on the Nikon side. That's going to help and, and make you have a total lighter gear kit. Absolutely. Precisely. Yeah. But we don't need to have so much smaller that you got to nix an SD card slot. Right. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. You know, and something that we haven't mentioned either about the Nikon or the Canon is the fact that uh, both Nikon and Canon they have not they have not allowed the the mount they've not released the specs of that mount to people like Tamron and Sigma that build lenses they haven't released the specs therefore people are going to have a really hard time building third party. Uh, lenses for this mount they're not going to be what is considered like a native a native uh, lens people are going to have to like reverse engineer and it's going to slow down the whole process for people like tamron and you know rokinon and all of these other cheap or more affordable lens manufacturers they're not going to have the the needed info to be able to build these lenses quickly for the, the for the system either so uh, people don't expect 
very many third-party lenses coming for the, these cameras either anytime soon. Not anytime soon, but I, th- I think it was the same with the EF mount. I don't think Canon went right. out and said, hey, Tamron, here you go. Here's the full yeah. specs on how it is that you know our, our mount works so that you can build a solid lens. I, I think they reverse engineered that too. It took some time. Like the initial yeah. releases of those lenses, they weren't spectacular. It kind of was a barely works sort of thing. But they got it. They engineered around it. And, and because EF mount's been a, a mainstay for a long time, they've really figured out how to make excellent lenses that are compatible with that mount. So it, mm-hmm. I, it is a con. I put it on my con list because Canon's not sharing. Of course, they're not going to. What, why would they be interested in helping third parties to build well, lenses I, for their Canon? Well, I bring it up. I bring it up because Sony, Sony does. Ah. <laughs> so Sony, one of, their, one of the ways that they tried to overcome the lack of the sure. lens lineup is they, they allowed third parties to um, access those specs. That way they didn't have to reverse engineer. They had the specs exactly, and that's why you saw so many okay. you know early ni- uh, Rokinons and now Tamron lenses for that E-mount. So, and, and that makes sense for Sony because they had the lack of, of glass. So that helps them to have uh, more viability in the marketplace with other people being able to make lenses and kind of you know, boost that up as fast as possible. That that made sense there. Doesn't make sense. I, I understand why Canon's not sure. I wish they did. Um, but I understand why they're not going to make it available. Right. Yeah. So Brent, yeah. you are the defender of all things <laughs> Canon. So are you going to be pre-ordering this? What? And if, if not, why not? Yeah. Good question. So, uh, the I'll answer the if not why not first, and that's simply because cash on hand or or the budget, whatever you want to call it. And okay, I just gave you twenty four hundred dollars. Why yeah, are you okay. or why are you not going to buy this camera? Okay, so if you just literally wrote me a check and said, "Here you go, do with it what you will," oh, I'd probably be tempted to buy a ticket back to Hong Kong instead because. I'll talk about it more in my in my uh, own podcast, what, but I got what, sick uh, and that just sucked, <laughs> and I want to go back. So, um, hospital visit and everything that just totally sucked. So, um, if that weren't the case, I'd probably go ahead and put this on order because it's enough of. I think I have enough faith in what they're going to do with the future lenses that it would be uh, advantageous for me to go ahead and try it out. Plus, with those wide angles, I would probably go ahead and buy that uh, that adapter with the drop-in filter because it would be great to have some of those wide-angle lenses with the polarizer. And I completely have a feeling anyway with the polarizer that it would work no problem with AF because the polarizer usually only takes out about two stops on that variable neutral density that they, that they have, which I would probably stay away from. It goes from like one stop or three stops, whatever it is, uh, down to nine stops. And that's a little strong for, for me because AF would drop out of you. Um, but you know, that's where you just set the AF, then dial in your, your filter and you're done. It's not, a, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. It would actually be very easy to use, uh, an ND like that. So yeah, if you were to give me the money, I'd probably go ahead and, and, uh, get it on pre-order as soon as it's available. And I and you. It- well, and I was going to say, and you would rather buy this camera rather than an A7III. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not convinced that, well, I guess I have to back up a little more. I really haven't studied the Sony system as in-depth as most other people have. And it's 
for many reasons, not just lack of interest or anything like that. It's just lack of time and everything else. And so if I were to give that camera a serious look, you know, maybe my opinion would change. But I have to put out there, I have not given Sony a serious inspection of every bit of the specs and understanding exactly why that camera is absolutely better. I understand your conversation and what you're saying. It's just as far as internalizing it for my shooting, I have yet to cross that bridge that says this would absolutely be better for me across the board. And it has to do with the whole kit. It's not just the body that I would be thinking about. Okay. What were you going to say? <laughs> Jeff? Well, so I, I think for Brent, this probably does make some sense. Uh, yeah. The travel <laughs> Thank <you. laughs> landscape shooter um, has some Canon glass. Uh, yeah. It, and by some, you mean all of the Canon glass. <laughs> right. I, I don't have, just a reminder to listeners, I'm closing down my lens company. I don't have hardly any pieces left. And what I am keeping is just your standard stuff. So, yes, I used to have pretty much everything you could think of. And boy, I was spoiled. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't have hardly any of that anymore. Yeah, but enough. Most of it's sold. You, you have a jump on it. So, yeah. It, I could see it making sense that the frame rate's not going to matter to you. The not, not as much. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a, you're shooting the way that you shoot lends itself to this camera. Um, I, I don't know. I do think you might really like the Sony sensors. <laughs> you, you're probably right. And actually I should throw in there. I mentioned I was tempted by the, the Fuji system, I'm also tempted because Fuji is announcing their GFX 50R in another couple of weeks. Oh my goodness. Give me some towels because I'm about to drool when that thing drops because to even have a larger sensor, to have the X-Trans sensor that's larger, you know, I'm, I'm actually, I would be more interested in a camera that slows me down than a camera that speeds me up. And this, uh, EOS R is one that is at least going to keep me the same rate, if not slow me down a little bit, because I definitely am more looking to be more thoughtful about my image making. I'm not as concerned about uh, photographing, you know, the the fastest things I photograph are my kids. And even then, I rarely photograph my kids uh, comparatively to what some might think I should do. And so (laughs) it's just, yeah, for me, this camera actually is not that it's not something I'm going to complain about. It's something that I'm actually, I would say I'm pleased with. I'm not saying I'm excited and I'm going to go toot my bugle, you know, and whatever else and, <laughs> and all that stuff, but I'm actually pleased with it. I'm actually pleased with what Canon's done here and I'm, and I'm happy to uh, consider staying in the Canon camp. But like I said, that GFX 50 R uh, that's also a two year old sensor because they're going to put in the same sensor. It looks like as what the 50 S has but it's in a rangefinder style body and they're stripping some things out and they're going to make it cheaper. Oh, that looks really good. There was one other feature we haven't talked about and Uh that's the, the wireless transfer capabilities and yeah. And that's in the notes, (laughs) uh, like the IO or the mobile apps. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to provide a Mm -hmm. digital photo professional for mobile or they call it what I was, it wasn't called for mobile. So I forget the name. I'm glad you brought it up. Yes. Yeah, so so that was a feature. There was some some discussion of that on Facebook. People were like, "Ooh, that sounds great!" Because they're <laughs> saying we'll be able, you'll be able to edit raw images on your phone. You'll be able to wirelessly right. transfer them from the camera to your phone and edit them. 
I am not remotely interested in this. <laughs> no, or, or your anybody iPad. that's used that anyway, anyone that has used that app, better hope for a better version of it for yeah, their phone the, because it is terrible. The software on the computer <laughs> yeah. is awful. It's bad. But but there's even like technical challenges here. First off, uh, I don't know what file size these raw files are going to end up being. About but thirty some megabytes. Yeah, you want to try to transfer that over a Wi-Fi radio powered by a camera to your phone. It's minutes per image. It's going to mm-hmm. be minutes. It There's would, no way. Yeah, it would drag. It's going to take forever. And then you have a 30 megabyte file on your camera, on your on your mobile device. There's That's going to take up a whole bunch of the story. They, you just, I mean, on Android, maybe it's going to make more sense. You probably can put in a a card where you can put this stuff and and that would make more but boy on ios even if you buy some of the you know max out the storage on your ios device it's just the storage limitations are going to be immense and i don't know i've tried some wireless stuff i got the like wi-fi adapter for my canon 7d mark ii it was abysmal the performance of it was terrible i mean i hated that it took the sd card slot up too on on yeah. my 7d mark ii mm, yeah that would be bad um and and like connecting, even just getting it connected, trying to pull the image. I mean, I can only get JPEGs anyway. Like the camera produced changed my raw to a JPEG for me as I transferred it to my phone. Hmm. But it just it took too long. It didn't work well enough. It's not a feature I'm I'm even close to caring about. No, one thing that I do like that they're improving on when you use just their camera connect app because that's separate from their digital photo right, professional right. express. That's enough of a mouthful. Oh, Express, there you go. Yeah, but their Camera Connect app with the 5D4, since that has uh, Wi-Fi already built in natively and I don't need an adapter, that works pretty slick already. And the previews that they were showing on this camera with that same Camera Connect app uh, controlling remotely this camera, that looked really slick as well. And so for remote control of it, and I'm not talking transferring images, just simply controlling, seeing a live preview, a low res but live preview, that looks pretty good, and I'm pleased to see that. I rarely use that functionality, but when you know you're doing a family photo, because every year we do family photos in the studio, I've got my phone out and I'm using it as my shutter control, and I can see exactly how the the frame is coming up and if the kids are behaving or not, you know, because you know they might be sticking their tongue out and I won't see that because I'm behind them and all that other good stuff. Uh, so that functionality looks pretty good on this camera too, and that's something that. You know, they've had a lot of experience with with the current models anyway, like the 5D4 and other models that have built in Wi-Fi. So I'd expect that to work out. But you're right. 30 some megabytes per raw file if you're looking to transfer those raws. And then they, you know, they tout that you can save it to, to the cloud, to the PC or to your compatible iOS or Android device. Just like mm, that's still mobile workflow is it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't work for me still. No. The, the yeah. battery the battery usage is going to be a problem too. It has yeah. to power up that radio. You already yeah. only get three hundred and thirty shots. I mean, probably a little more than that because they always you know do better than the rating. But yeah. that's a good way to take it down to like a hundred shots instead of <laughs> instead right. of three hundred and thirty. Yeah, yeah, good that's points. something we haven't talked about. Really, is it's great that it's using the same batteries as whatever you know five D Mark IV, seven D Mark II. It's using those same batteries. But the downside is that your the battery life is going to be pretty harsh. I think uh, about half of what my yeah. Sony is. But you know who's comparing this to Sony? Not me. Surely <laughs> <Yeah>. not me. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I think it's safe to say that 
that Brent, you're fairly optimistic about it. You think it's a yes. step in the right direction. Um, Jeff, you're just kind of shaking your head in disbelief and kind of <laughs> unimpressed with what they've released. Well, the, and, the the thing is, it doesn't match everything. It here's yeah. what would have would have been great if it was priced at like less than fifteen hundred dollars for the body. I would have a really hard choice now. That would be amazing. Yeah, I would have a really tough choice about switching so that I can get the full frame sensor uh, and and use my existing glass. All of the things that are there. That would be. I would have a hard time. In fact, I even I even said that on Facebook and on Twitter. I posted like, if this thing comes in less than fifteen hundred dollars, I'm probably gonna have to get it. And I'm just kind of glad they priced it way out of reach. (laughs) (laughs) Not even sixteen hundred to make it kind of tempting still. Right. No. So so it it just doesn't make like they've made decisions where in some regard it's catering to the market, the demographic of photographer that I am. And in others, it's just not. It's too much money. It's the the lenses are too expensive. The it's it's a Frankenstein of a release, and I I think they've just totally missed the mark on this. It'll probably still pre, uh, sell out of pre orders. There's still so many people that yeah. want to get to the EV, the EVF and mm-hmm. use their Canon glass, and this is the way to do it. This is going to be the best possible experience with your Canon glass to get to an electronic viewfinder, and and that is something. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of Brents out there that are going to buy uh, Canon no I'm, matter what. They're probably <laughs> not. Let's not say no matter what. <laughs> I'm not right, married me, to the system, right? For me, the three strikes are uh, the the 4K 1.7 times crop. That is, yeah, that, that's pretty rough. That, that's rough if you're going to be doing video. So it's out for video. I love the articulating screen, but it sucks that it has that crop. Uh, the lack of in body stabilization, I don't feel, can be um, overstated enough just because that, that is like a, that is like a requirement in a lot of new mirrorless cameras these days. And once you have it, you never want to give it up. So lack of in-body stabilization, that's a big deal. And, you know, just the one card slot. I, I couldn't, I can't use a camera with one card slot if I'm shooting a wedding. I just can't. And I know that there are people that are, and those people are brave and have great lawyers, but (laughs) I, I, I have no lawyer and I'm not brave. So I use two card slots and that's pretty much that sums it up for me. Yeah. We, we talked last episode about what would it, what would Canon have to do to to make you regret having switched to Sony before their announcement. And I think that's kind of, and obviously you don't, right? You don't regret your decision. No, no, Not I'm as, feeling pretty, pretty confident right now. <laughs> you have a smile yeah, yeah. on your face. Uh, and, and I think that's kind of the people, the, I think the person that's v- most happy about both of these releases from Nikon and Canny, Canon is Sony. <laughs> Yeah, probably. <laughs> they are doing the happy dance at headquarters because these cameras came in underwhelming. They're not really pushing on the people. And, and now I think there's going to be a, a segment of both Nikon and Canon shooters who are going to say, well, okay, I waited. I wanted to see what they were going to produce because if it was compelling, I get to stay with my lent, my, I get to stay in my comfort zone. I get to stay with the the manufacturer I'm used to. I get to keep my batteries. I get to keep my lenses. I get to keep my, my flashes. I get to keep all the other stuff and I get mirrorless and that's great. And, and now that they're announced, they're going to say, okay, that wasn't what I needed. (laughs) Yeah. And that wasn't what I wanted. 
And now they're going to say, all right, fine, I'm going to switch. And, uh, and I, I think that's going to happen way more than either Canada or Nikon uh, is anticipating. Yeah, and if you follow the SonyAlphaRumors.com website, they they follow this stuff pretty close. Like when Nikon released, they released all the specs, and when Canon released, they released all the specs. And everybody over there is feeling pretty good about their Sony <laughs> their Sony setups. But I think that Sony is probably the well, their Sony video shooters are the most nervous about what Panasonic's about to release because yeah, Panasonic sure. has been dominating uh, the 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 video um, the dominating in the video re- realm of things. Man, I cannot talk today. What a great <laughs> the, the video podcast! Space. And yeah, the video space, and uh, and now they're coming up, coming out with a full frame uh, mirrorless and. I'm very interested to see what they release there because their specs have always dominated. Their autofocus hasn't been great in video, but everything else has been miles ahead of everybody else. So I think uh, the full frame video camera of choice is probably going to end up being that Panasonic. Um, So, yeah. Yep. So there's before we get to our doodads, there's one other thing that I thought of, and that's something that I would probably characterize as a little bit of a paradox for this camera. And that is, Canon, certainly when you compare to Sony sensors, their low light performance is not something that is they've been winning in that game, let's say. Uh, And I'm sure, Nick, you can provide us with some absolute evidence of that where the nighttime performance or otherwise low light performance of your Sony sensors uh, far exceeds uh, what the Canon is doing. Would that be a fair assessment to say? Actually, you know, I was kind of surprised with the Sony A7R3. Yeah. Uh, the high ISO performance on that, it was actually, I felt like the 5D Mark IV was a little bit better after really? I got used to looking at But it's because, you know, when you look one-to-one, you're you're looking at a 45 megapixel right. frame. So, you know, it, anytime you have more megapixels, it's, it's yeah. different. But the A7 III, I think, definitely does better than than sure. the, the Canon sensor. The the biggest difference though is the dynamic range of these sensors. Right. When you when you take a file, you underexpose it a little bit and then you, you know, boost it up three stops, there's a massive difference between the Sony frame the Sony files and the Canon files. Mm-hmm. Canon just does not have the dynamic range of right. either either Sony or Nikon right now. And that's and definitely s- something I want them to really start focusing on they've got all these other cool tech things like the little multi-touch sensor and the little uh wheel thing that we've talked about uh the the additional uh spin wheel thing on the lenses and they've got some really cool things coming through in that but it's high time that they start focusing on that dynamic range of the sensor but one thing i wanted to kind of put in perspective a little bit is they claim that it focuses down to a negative six ev of light value and they put that into perspective in one of their promo videos. And that is to say, if you were to be at 3200 ISO and you were needing a four second exposure, they didn't tell us what F-stop. I guess it has to be at F1.2 because the negative six EV is only available if you have an F1.2 lens. Anyway, that's how much light you're dealing with. And it can it can nail focus their claiming on your subject with that little amount of light, which is pretty impressive if it can actually, you know, nail that focus mm-hmm. uh, in that small amount of light, but when it doesn't have, you know, the the dynamic range and then the low light performance, it's almost like a little bit of a paradox to say, okay, if your AF is really awesome in that low amount of light, 
let's increase the sensor a little bit too and and make sure that it's yeah. uh, doing what it can do what it should be doing nowadays uh in that kind of area so anyway yeah, just wanted to get yeah, that congratulations out there. congratulations yeah. it's in focus it just looks like crap <laughs> yes it's like oh. <laughs> yay <laughs> but you know the the 5d mark IV actually had pretty good high iso performance uh compared to the sony's it was just the dynamic range yeah. more than mm-hmm. more than right. anything so yeah yeah good points all right let's move on to our doodads of the week jeff lead us off all right so i bought some um young newell yn216 always on led lights uh, wanted to use this to light backgrounds in some mm. of my shoots that i'm doing and uh, I did not realize when I bought them that they came with no batteries. Yeah. So, so I was like, oh, great. And I had a shoot and it was like the next day. And I was like, ah, I wish I'd have realized that they didn't come with batteries. So uh, I had to buy batteries and I couldn't use them on the shoot. Um, and I, I got some that there's not even a brand name. So you'd have to really go to the, the links in the show notes for them. But I bought a charger and two uh np f750 batteries that go in this uh young these young new lights and they're great i love the charger and the batteries they are um, they do really really well it keeps the, that those lights on really nice and bright for a very very long time cool uh, they do take a long time to charge though it's like uh four six hours something like that before they they can get charged up so they they take a while you're not going to stick them in the charger an hour before a shoot and and be ready to go. In fact, they, I did that on accident another time. <laughs> and I put them in the charger, just forgetting I, I had them out of the charger. I stuck them in there uh, with an hour to go before the shoot, and there wasn't enough juice in them to even power the lights up. So it does take some time to to get them charged up. And I have links to them in the show notes for both the charger and the batteries. They're no name, third party. There's not a brand. All right. Nick? So I have something for my Sony brethren. <laughs> well, I have uh, it's the Rokinon 24 millimeter f 2.8 for E mount. And what's cool about this is it's a Rokinon lens, but it's autofocus, and it's really, really small and light. It's only 120 grams, which is like if you compare that to a Nifty 50, it's probably like half the weight of a Nifty 50. It is like a an absolute feather. It feels like a lens cap that you're putting on your on your camera. And so I've been using that for like vlogging purposes where it's going to be a really light, but still fairly wide angle lens. And it's only like, what is it? It's like 300 and what is it? 399. So it's $400 lens and it is super light. It's a broken on that auto focuses. It's wide angle. It's great for vlogging and stuff like that. So um, pretty cool little lens. And it is just, it's crazy light. Like when you put that on, on one of one of these small alpha cameras if it just feels like the the world's smallest little toy camera it's it's kind of fun to shoot with so i love broken on i love my i have a 14 millimeter prime that i just love and the the performance isn't bad like the autofocus isn't terrible you know it's a little bit soft in the corners but for what i'm using it for it's totally fine it's pretty cool Sounds good. Mine is not something that's a physical product. It is travel insurance because as I briefly mentioned on my trip to Hong Kong, I got sick and I actually ended up going to a hospital and uh, with travel insurance, I guess I have yet to receive the reimbursement, but it is definitely something you guys should be thinking about. If you're going somewhere, uh, you just got to, you know, pony it up because it's expensive otherwise. And uh, so just look your 
look at covering yourself uh, with some travel insurance. All right, some reminders for us. Uh, Jeff mentioned about some links in the show notes, and Nick has put his link in the show notes as well for that Rokinon lens. We can find those at masterphotographypodcast.com. That's the new home for the show. And of course, we invite you to look up and join our Facebook group. You will have to answer a question. Who are the one of the hosts of the of the podcast? And uh, so, you know, Jeff, myself, uh, Connor and Erica. And if someone were to put in Nick, I think we'd still accept him, too. But if you could put in Lord Nick or Lord Page, <laughs> Lord uh, Page, that'll I'll, definitely I'll give get you some you kind in. of bonus points somehow. <laughs> I'll, we'll figure that out. Well, they'll make you an admin if you put in Lord <laughs> Lord Page. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, Jeff, where can we find your work? Yeah, so my uh, my portraits are over at jsharmanphotos.com. You can find my podcast, uh, phototacopodcast.com. And I just barely last week published a, an article, a photographer's buying guide for MacBook Pros, 2018 MacBook Pros. So nice. I, I tell you in that article, what's worth spending money on and what is not worth spending money on. Excellent. So if you're, if you're interested in that, head over to phototacopodcast.com. Awesome. And Nick, where can we find you at? Uh, you can find me nickpagephotography.com. You can find my podcast, Landscape Photography Podcast. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, YouTube. Just do a search for Nick Page Photography. Awesome. Soon you can to be find. Lord Page oh, sorry. Go ahead. Soon to be Lord Page Photography. Lord, yep, Lord yep. Page. <laughs> Lordpage dot dot org. <laughs> Someone needs to grab a, a screenshot of his Facebook profile and and write you know color in some kind of uh, outfit or some kind of you know medieval looking make him I don't know. Let's let's move on. Uh, <laughs> Well, for me, you can find my stuff over at brentbergherm.com. That's just my name. I've got a few items there for workshops and a few other things. One thing I want to get out there now is to say I've got some items listed for some custom workshops. So if you're going to be in the Pacific Northwest and you're looking for a customized workshop experience, that might be something we could work out. So take a look on my website for that information. And then you can find me over at latitudephotographypodcast.com for my own personal podcast. And for a little less than a month longer, you can find me still at brentrenslenses.com. We still uh, have about eight or nine pieces of gear left that I'm looking to get rid of. And I've got a special 10% off code that if you were to plug that in at checkout, you're going to get 10% off the already reduced prices. So you'd get some pretty good deals there. After September 28th, that's when I'm going to shut the site down. So after that, it's vanishing and we'll just keep whatever doesn't sell. So if you would uh, get on there and use close 10, close one zero as your discount code, you'll be able to snap up a piece of used gear that's in pretty good shape still. So check that out as well. Any last thoughts, either of you on the anything we've talked about or what's coming up? uh no not really you're gonna uh, be at you're gonna be at the create photography retreat i think right yes yes all right. so uh, i'm excited to come out and hang out with all of the all of the people of that i used to be such good friends with <laughs> I, I missed it last year and uh, the year before was so much fun just because of the the vibe and the energy was so positive it was a real positive energy you know you, you betcha know, man? man you betcha <laughs> The and, vibes, the vibes are so positive. And, but, uh, and, and in Vegas, there's a little extra vibe that's going to potentially happen as well, maybe. 
I think that's illegal, Brent. Okay. <laughs> wow. You took that in a way different way. <laughs> Man, Brent is such a bad Back on influence. track. Back on track. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I'm looking forward to being a part of that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Can't wait to nerd out with Sweet. all my fellow nerds. Sweet. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. And we will see you again in another seven days. 